Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Greetings, Judge. Are you there? Yes, sir. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right. I hope you are doing as well. I am just trying to survive this hot weather outside, trying to stay indoors as much as possible. <laughs> or have a car with AC on. It's, it's crazy. Warm, isn't it? Yes, sir. Well, we all be under heaven once again, the one and only, the Honorable Judge Joe Brown. He's going to tell us what's going down in your town and beyond. So much to talk about. So little time. How you doing? You say you're doing great, Judge. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. All right. Excellent. Well, what's going on? Like, there's so much to talk about. I just want to get your take first and foremost on the uh, the travel ban that was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court for the Muslim travel ban. What's your well, take on it? Let's cut beyond what the media has said in large part. Mm-hmm. To begin with, let's divorce the actual ban as it's written from what Trump said. What the ban has in it is not exclusively limited to Islamic countries. There are non-Islamic locales and points of origin that are banned in that right. All of the Islamic countries are not in there. Egypt, United Arab Republics, Saudi Arabia, and others are specifically excluded. So there is a rational basis on its face limiting the bans to areas that cannot be secured in terms of being able to check with any reasonable veracity and accuracy who you are letting in. One thing that needs to be kept in mind is it's an old and ancient principle of international law. It's been long sustained by the U.S. Supreme Court on many occasions that a country has absolute control over its borders. When you're at a border, the whole 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights, do not apply order is looked at is so sacrosanct and imperatively important to a nation that there is absolute control. Search and seizure does not apply. Generally, a lot of things don't apply. And one of the things that uh, you have to take in consideration is what happens if you as a citizen attempt to evade a border entry point. Well, that's a crime. Depending upon the circumstances, it may be a misdemeanor or a felony. Mm-hmm. So you can get in trouble. People get in trouble at airports by ditching uh, by direction or indirection customs. So what's good for the sauce, sauce for the goose, rather, is 
sauce for the gander if it's an imperative for American citizens to cooperate with the rules and regulations at their own borders, then it certainly ought to be an imperative for someone who is not a citizen. Additionally, you have to look at this concept of reciprocity that is also an ancient tradition in international law. In other words, what one country does to its citizens leads an expectation of it's to be all right for reciprocity to others. In other words, Mexico has a very tight border on its southern end to deal with what is coming in from South America, Central America. So we don't have as draconian a set of border regulations as Mexico does when it comes to securing their own borders. I can remember a situation years ago, a gentleman by the name of Macias, and he married and wound up marrying a black woman, but in the interest of third world, He was Mm -hmm. trying to get some of us young brothers to go down to Mexico and work for the summer to Mm -hmm. see what it was like. And I know there was a whole category of jobs in Mexico that you can't get unless both of your grandfathers were Mexican citizens. There are jobs you can't get unless both of your fathers were Mexican citizens. Some you can get if one of your father was a Mexican citizen. And some you can't get unless both of your parents were Mexican citizens. So they've had that long in place. So we don't have anything quite as draconian as they do. It's a matter of perspective. Mm. Now, I think the news media does a disservice to the public by neglecting to accurately and objectively report on certain things. And nowadays, instead of having an editorial to comment on what was reasonably objective reporting, the reporting itself becomes the editorial. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of misinformation that's thrown at us. We, by no stretch of the imagination, have the world's worst rules when it comes to on border control, we have some of the more lenient ones, but the law is the law, and if someone wants to become a citizen, there are methods that one can use to become a citizen. I'm aware of someone that was a housekeeper in California that I had. She went through the process, so she was a legal alien. And one of her sons uh, had joined the local police department to secure his citizenship, and another had joined the Marine Corps as a method of getting citizenship. So some people follow the rules, some don't. And personally, since I have been in the position of ruling upon alleged violations of the law, I would say it is in everybody's best interest to follow that law. Uh, I mean, like, this perspective for you is really refreshing because it seems like the media job these days is to get people into an emotional wreck. Like, you know, people's emotions are very all over the place. Uh, it's well, to yeah. stoke the fire for division and divisiveness. Yeah. See, what's happened is you have the LGBTQ crowd and the femme crowd, 
has controlled the media for the last 45 going on 50 years. LGBTQ claims that 85 to 90% of all of the people that work in the Hollywood industry are charter members, so to speak, of their organization. And by that, I mean practitioners. So they have an agenda. And when something comes along or someone who comes along is anti the agenda or is perceived to be a block to the implementation of their agenda, then they attack that person or they attack the policy and they are not a they are not objective about it. Mm-hmm. The thing too that has come into play is political parties and sides of the equation, either the far left or the far right, have become quasi-religious. Get people who need to belong to something and the world has become so much more tightly packed that there's less space There are many more people, but instead of that bringing people closer, it has resulted in people being further apart from each other, but they want to belong. So people have a problem with a nebulous large entity is something they belong to, Mm -hmm. whereas they might have a philosophical position that they identify with that gives them a sense of belonging. You have church members who feel like they're special because they belong to a certain church. You had the starter jacket phenomenon about 15, 20 years ago when all of the kids were wearing, uh, what is it, uh, Oakland Raiders jackets, and they didn't know who was on the football team or even if it was an NFL team for the most part. (laughs) They just right. wanted to have the semblance of belonging to something. Mm-hmm. So you get these kind of things, and when you get these kind of things, even every slight deviance becomes heresy or blasphemy, and you get uh, a reaction that is commensurate with that kind of view on things. So we have a media in the business of being entertainment now. They get ratings. And once media went to 24-7 news, there not being enough news going on to merit that much attention on a station, on multiple stations. They compete for ratings, so they make it entertainment. So they try to appeal to a certain type of viewer based on uh, who or what the station is. Like CNN has their group they try to appeal to. Fox has their group they try to appeal to. And in between, you know, we get caught up in seeking news, but what we get more or less is a slanted worldview that is designed to push a cause. Now, I will say this. The net does provide the same sources of information that are relied upon by the major news outlets to formulate their newscasts. So we don't have to listen to that. We can get the same broad data that they get and make up our own minds. But essentially, we use the net for gossip 
and frivolity in gaming rather than for research and learning. So there you go. Yeah, I was thinking about Judge, you were talking about the Spider Jacket phenomenon. I remember that when I was growing up. Also with the Jordans, but also now you look at the sports as like you know, like a huge Trojan horse of distraction with the LeBron James thing, the Lakers, everybody talking about uh, LeBron sexuals, and you know, everybody talking about sports where when Rome is burning, like things yeah, are burning. going on, and you talking about some damn sports and and and, and movies, and it's just crazy, Judge. Pandemonium. Somebody said, how do you know all this about Judge? How do you know all these things? Your memory is amazing. Well, I yeah. may have a good memory, but I spend my time dealing with these kind of things that essentially set the tone for your life, what's happening with your finances, with your kids, with the educational system, with the penal institutions, with uh, what you get for health care, what the parties are doing. That's what pays uh that's what I pay attention to, but some people, they can tell you the lower percentages of all of their favorite basketball players and do great analysis of everything from soccer to baseball, but they can't tell you anything about those things that impacts their real world other than what they believe, and what they believe does not have to be based on reality. I always tell people it's best to have no belief at all and only have opinions which can be modified upon acquisition of more reliable or more profoundly demonstrable fact uh, analysis or observation. So you get people believing things when they have no basis for the belief other than that somebody they think is reliable told them something. So are we heading for a, a literate society or a functional and literate society? Is this the new dark ages where people don't want to research and learn how to comprehend for themselves? Well, one of the problems with that is education starts in the home. Mm-hmm. And in some homes, there's no basis upon which to start education. And you start noticing that these kinds of homes tend to be single-parent female head of household. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be female head of household, not where the woman got ambushed. That is, somebody left her. That is, where somebody died, somebody divorced her. What happens is she didn't want to get married in the first place. And she's got five, six kids out of wedlock. She's not really capable of serving as a mother for one of them, let alone four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, or fourteen of them. And instead of having a situation where putative or prospective parents wait until they become economically secure enough to have children, you have a single parent who had children in order to secure economic advantage. In other words, the more kids she had, the bigger her check. That's being cut back on in a number of states, but it still builds up habits that are out there. So the environment is one that's not a successful environment that's in the home place. The objectives in the home place are getting over Rather than doing something, the objectives in the family are not about a cause, a big cause, 
uh, that the children can be introduced to and taught. It's about hustle. It's about getting over. And it's about survival in a world that is viewed as very much against the person in question. That attitude changes if a person gets a cause, even if it's only womanhood or manhood, because that means that the control factor that influences and establishes good behavior and good habits looks back at the person in the mirror every morning. And it's a question that is asked anytime the person brushes their teeth, combs, or brushes their hair, shaves, or if it's a woman, puts on a makeup, and it's sort of, did you do what you were supposed to do yesterday? Are you going to do what you were supposed to do today? Say, we get away from that. I sent you that thing. I don't, well, maybe I didn't send you Yeah, oh, the, the whole post thing, the, the drag queen, the 10-year-old drag kid, yeah. Isn't that not disgusting? <laughs> Man, it's, just, it's not, you know, it's not nature, it's nurture. They definitely try to nurture a certain type of agenda <laughs> for the yeah. future. The kid is too young to know what sexuality is of any sort, mm. let alone sexuality between two individuals of the same sex, a.k.a. homosexuality. So he's sporting around like a drag queen, and somebody should have been teaching him from day one, you don't look like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have states like California that send home brochures telling the parents not to attempt to cause the child to have gender identification, but that's just a a sneaky little thing because that's making the identification on the front end being ambivalent, which means you're supposed to be either bi or homosexual or a transvestite. So, in other words, it sounds like it's being neutral, but it's not, because children need to be acculturated for their appropriate roles in society. So they do not have that happen anymore in a large number of places because the acculturation is supposed to be neutrality, but that actually is not neutral. It's you either teach the child to be what he's supposed to be or in not doing it, you basically teach him that there is no appropriate gender. And with no appropriate gender, they get into homosexuality, which is someone's First Amendment right to behave as. But uh, it's a matter of you may have a right, but maybe you've got an obligation not to exercise that right and do what you should do. So we have a limited pool of boys and girls from which to make men and women. But right now we've got policies in place that are guaranteed to reduce the number of men and women you get out of that pool and produce something that's, well, I don't even get it sometimes. I'm not even sure they want to be called men and women. What's interesting what you're saying, I'm thinking about the fact that if you got to recruit, if you can't reproduce and you must recruit, I mean, it must be an agenda. Because yeah, can't, they can't be reproduced. They got to recruit people into this t- sort of thinking and lifestyle and culture. And then look at that sick 10-year-old running around like that. That's oh. disgusting. I mean, and look at this thing where they went off trying to talk about Bruce Jenner becomes Caitlyn and he's a beautiful <laughs> woman. 
That creature never was beautiful. <laughs> it was ugly. It was an it. If anything, it should have been like uh, an advertisement against drugs. You know, what was it? This is your brain on drugs. It should be, this is your face on Botox. Right. But, you know, they, they question if Serena was a woman, but they saying that Bruce is, Caitlin is a woman. Bruce? Look, when you've got a body and it's got male insides or female insides, it doesn't become the opposite sex just because you put on a cosmetic appearance. I don't care what the the politically correct position is. Right. That's like one of these things that I think is absolutely horrible. You've got these failed boys who decide they want to be girls, so they get to compete in the girls' sports and they beat them. Well, hell, there's still uh, bodies with boy mechanicals and uh, quasi or faux girls' minds. They shouldn't be allowed to compete with the girls because that's not fair to the real girls. Mm. But they like it. And that's just, see, that's not mainstream society anywhere. That's this particularly little small group of people that has control of the media that wants you to think that way. And the rule on that one has been established uh, at least 80-some years ago when Joseph Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, the uh, Nazi minister of propaganda mm-hmm. came up with this statement. He said, a lie told once is a lie. Tell it a thousand times and it becomes the truth. Tell a lie long enough and loud enough and you can get anyone to believe it. And that's what's happened about a lot of this LGBT stuff. Now, it's their right to do it, but it's not the right uh, that should be exercised because that's saying you don't have to pull your load. See, part of this whole thing about masculinity has got to do with a standard of conduct, a standard of behavior and worldview that is inculcated, acculturated and socialized into the child's head. So they do certain things. You don't hit women, you know, fight fair. You don't go take a gun and shoot up a schoolyard, or you don't take a baseball bat and go do that either, or a sword or a knife, or explosive, you see. That's a lack of masculinity, because masculinity is not the body. The masculinity consists of what's in the mind. So there is a, a, a movement that's been out there for 50 going on 60 years against masculine principles. So no, we need that brought back because a lot of this is just the product of sick thinking that's anti-woman, anti-man. Now, Joe, when you said that, I was thinking about the fact you talked about Joseph Goebbels, but I also you think about the essays, the brown shirts of Nazi Germany who got Hitler into yeah. power. These were a bunch of homosexual men, homicidal yeah. homosexuals that Hitler had to get rid of during the night of the long knives. Yeah, he was he afraid of them. That. He was afraid of them. <laughs> but these are guys that yeah, put him in power. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, wrong. wrong. He was in charge of that. Hitler himself had the pistol and kicked in the door of Rom's bedroom at a resort, and Rom was in bed with another man. Right. The chauffeur. 
So this like we, we so, so the German equipment was get out of the bed, get out of bed, you sick son of a bitch, you're under arrest. <laughs> so, but you also you got Nambler, right? South Park, the cartoon and comedy central made fun of Nambler, the North American uh, Man Boy Love Association. This stuff is very much real. Oh it's yeah, agenda. it is. And see, like you mentioned, you got to recruit. So a lot of this so-called neutrality is not neutral. It's a recruitment tactic. Mm-hmm. But I think the parents of that, what is it, drag kid need to be yeah. put in jail for child abuse. I don't think yeah. I'm like uh, good brother, Lewis Hamilton, current world champion, former mm-hmm. one race car driver. Right. He ridiculed his nine-year-old nephew who came in with a, a, a skirt on dressed as a fairy queen or princess or oh, something. And his sponsors <laughs> wanted to jump on him about it. So they made him do a Mia Culpa thing where they had him put on a Scottish kilt and apologize to his uh, nephew for telling that little fool the truth. And telling, I don't know if his sister or his uncle, probably his sister, to let her boy come out looking like an abomination. Mm-hmm. That, that's sad, man. But I was, I was thinking about, Judge, you heard about the case of the, the teenager boy who died from getting abused because he came out as homosexual, I believe he was 10 years old, and his family, I think his mom, and I don't know if it was his father or his stepfather or just his mom's boyfriend, allegedly abused him so bad he ended up dying from the injuries. Have you heard about that case? I I don't know. That happens a lot, but yeah, that, that a lot, of, a lot yeah. of what you hear in the press, uh, see on television, is cherry pick. Mm-hmm. The stuff that they pick it out of is a big volume of it. Is just what happened to be at the top on a slow news day. Right. Well, I don't look at They're it. They're right to do it, it but mm-hmm. it's our right to say no. That's not right. And, yeah. And, uh, in other words, it's their right to do what they do, but it's our duty to come back and say, you may want to, but that's not what should be done. So we can speak out, but now they've tried to make that a, a bad thing. And I don't like this, this new developing trend of everybody's so damn delicate, like arresting somebody because he calls some cops not where the rule is, is original Fayette County Welfare League, heard by the Sixth Circuit. The judge was Bailey Brown, and he said you can't charge anybody for use of language unless it was intended as fighting words. In other words, did it have the effect, the sole intended effect of causing the other person to want to fight? Oh, it got some common sense. Folks for disorderly conduct, except mm-hmm. for and all of the rest of it. Officer, did you want to punch him in his mouth? Well, no, sir. Did you want to hit him on his head? Well, no, sir. Did you want to kick him? No, sir. Did you want to fight? Well, no, sir. You want to take your gun belt out, punch it out, and the man? No, no, sir. Well, Your Honor, we move it be dismissed under the theory of the original Fayette County Welfare League. Case 1964. Mm. What kind of sense is prevailing somewhere in the country? Like, what do you think about 
Supreme Court justice and Kennedy's retirement and Kennedy's retirement, you know, people like were so outraged by it. I mean, he's, he's almost 90 years old. You know, does he have the right to retire from the Supreme Court and live his, you know, his last years, I guess, in peace and quiet? What's your take on that? What, on the Supreme Court situation? Yeah, with Justice Kennedy retiring. It isn't the first time, and you have to understand, Kennedy is not a liberal. Mm -hmm. Kennedy was looked at in horror when he got picked. Mm. Looked at as a very conservative person. Mm -hmm. He's the one that led the attack on affirmative action. He later qualified it, but, I mean, he's been no friend to black people particularly. Right. And Scalia, the problem with Scalia is no matter what somebody says about, oh, he's a great, brilliant jurist, or was, I said, well, read his stuff. And when they read it, I, I just feel bad. Why? Because I guess I'm not intelligent enough to understand what he was saying. It's not a matter of your intelligence. It's just what he was saying was bogus. Mm -hmm. Well, let me read it again. You know, I think you're right, Judge. You think you're right. Mm -hmm. That man... That is some wacko stuff. Yeah, it is. Mm. Well, wow. You see, they have their myths. Mm -hmm. It's like there are a lot of myths. Uh, I'll slightly change the subject. One of the myths from the right wing is that there was an original intent to the Constitution, and it's a perversion for judges to try to change it and for judges to try to make law. Well, the very first case heard by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1792 mm -hmm. was the matter of the Sixth Amendment that says no case tried before a jury upon the common law shall be heard upon appeal except upon the application of the common law. So mm -hmm. the question was, case one, page one, what is the common law? Supreme Court defined it interestingly, and it said all law in the United States is common law, or preceded by legislative statute, regulation, or ordinance. The common law, and this is a quote, is that body of judge-made law based on tradition, precedent, and the evolving conditions of society, unquote. So the very first case the U.S. Supreme Court had in 1792 was that, A, all law in the U.S. is judge-made law until a legislative body supersedes it, and B, most important for the discussion, it's supposed to evolve. So you have some ignorant, unlettered bozo who sits up there and says, it's an innate mob, it's judge-made law when the original intent of the founders. Well, some of the people that were on the first Supreme Court signed the Declaration of Independence, fraught in the Revolutionary War, were very active in setting up the country in the first place. So anybody ought to know, they ought to, and they declared that all law is judge-made law until the legislative body supersedes it. And then what's the next thing? It is that body of judge-made law based on tradition, precedent, and the evolving conditions of society. So they said it evolves. And then another very, very, very old case, Marbury versus Madison, 
was one wherein the U.S. Supreme Court said that the law, as interpreted by the courts, it can overrule a legislative act that the legislative act is unconstitutional. And that's very old. So those older clown types who run around pontificating wrongly don't know what they're talking about. Uh, we hear the international war on terror, war on terror, war this, fight terror. Well, there's no authorization to fight a non-sovereign entity anywhere in the Constitution except one. Article 1, Section 8 says it's the obligation and responsibility of the naval forces of the United States to pursue, eradicate, and suppress piracy wherever found in the world. So, guess that means the SEALs were right when they take out bin Laden because you have another provision in there that says the supreme law of the land is the Constitution. Such laws as are promulgated to enforce the Constitution and those treaties that have been ratified by the Senate. So since there have been many treaties ratified by the Senate that declare hijacking airplanes to be acts of piracy, and uh, on 9-1-1 we had four aircraft hijacked, that's an act of piracy, and Article 1, Section 8 says uh, piracy must be pursued, suppressed, and eradicated wherever found, you've got anciently, Right after the beginning of the 19th century, you have what the Marine Corps hymn celebrates as uh, to the shores of Tripoli. In other words, the Marines and the Navy going and fighting the Barbary and fight the Barbary pirates. So you still have piracy being fought off of the east coast of Africa right now because that's mandated by the Constitution uses the term shall. In other words, it's the imperative. Article 1, Section 8 also says that it is the duty of the commander-in-chief and the armed forces to, quote, enforce the law of nations, unquote. So all of the bozos running around talking about the UN and all of this, NATO, and we have no business doing this because it's trying to be one world government. Well, the very founding instrument itself, not even an amendment, says it is the duty to, quote, enforce the law of nations. In other words, what would a civilized country do? So we get all sorts of deviations from that. But it is what it is. That's okay. it. why it's so important to have the alternative media outlets and platforms to get, to get this type of information out there they won't get from uh, so-called mainstream uh, sources and whatnot. So I'm glad and thankful, Judge, somebody with your type of background and understanding of uh, putting things in the proper context is accessible at this moment for our people. Well, yeah, on our last President Obama, Barack Obama, came up with an idea and he signed an executive order that's an edict claiming to give the president the legal authority to order any person, including an American citizen, 
executed even inside the continental United States without any due process of law. A court enjoined him from doing that, but it got done anyway, so he should have been charged with uh, a high crime or misdemeanor uh, while in office and impeached for that. I mean, as the judge says, uh, the Constitution and its amendments declared no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property except upon due process of law. How do you claim this? So the Obama administration said that was superior to the Constitution, which in the U.S., there ain't no such animal. So we've got lots of crazy things in there. Well, it's Obama. Well, he wrote the uh, presidential uh, executive order out and issued it, and it's still in force and effect. Trump can do it, too. So in other words, you give somebody without any due process or law requirement to constrain what he or she does, can say, I don't like that, but that man says, I think he's a danger killer, and do mm-hmm. it with impunity. That's what King uh, had done to him by J. Edgar Hoover with the FBI, but they had the decency to declare that kind of thing firmly illegal until we got the Homeland uh, Security slash Patriot Act after 9-1-1 that made it legal. So we've got a real mess. That's the scary stuff. I'm not wondering about a bunch of fairies running around and crazy folk acting like they lost their mind and uh, start talking nonsense, but I am worried about what's happening with the erosion of the law. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people don't care about privacy anymore and having a clue what somebody says when they say this is Big Brother stuff, that's Orwell 1984, mm-hmm. not the book. But that's scary, just the abysmal ignorance of the public. I mean, a lot of stuff that's clear to me, I learned in the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And I find here later on down the stream of time, so many Americans don't have a clue. They've got the Internet. This is what I was talking about earlier about is this the new dark ages? Because you remember back in the middle ages, the only people that could really read and write were the elites. And the and the masses were given religion. They had stained glass windows that showed scenes in the Bible. But these folks could not read or write. But the people who had the power, they knew how to write. They knew how to read. Understanding comprehension, but they a comprehension, but they were the gatekeepers. So when people talk about the Illuminati now, I'm thinking they talking about the people that's well educated. That one thing, <laughs> not necessarily well, some boogeyman. I tell people that, Judge, what do I have to do to be rich? Well, you should stop thinking about being rich and start thinking about having a cause. And if you do right mm-hmm. in your cause, the wealth will come. But first off, if you want to do anything, learn how to read, write, and speak. Mm-hmm. Communicate, yeah. Well, yeah, that's why we got eubonics. No, eubonics is garbage. That's nothing. You see, there is a core fundamental language, and everything else is basically a, a, a type of jargon, legal jargon, military jargon, police jargon, medical jargon, you know, stock market jargon, whatever it may be. It's just a specialization or a modification of the core language. Everybody in the world is using English. 
language now is the lingua franca or the main language. And now we're telling our kids, you know, learn robotics. Don't worry about learning English. What mm-hmm. is that? That's crazy. Mm. Wow. And see, being able to manipulate the language means that you can, in an articulate fashion, state what you want. And the way you state it may get it for you, wherein an inarticulate presentation won't. Plus, mm-hmm. when you learn the language, it helps you in your thinking process. That's good. So, man, thinking about what you were saying earlier, we got a situation where the public schools are demanding that people do this gender fluidity thing and do not dis, dis, you know, interrupt the process with your children, but the children are not even getting type of foundational learning at home. No, they're not. So you need to start putting a gender foundation in your kid's head. That mm-hmm. is very important. Act like a man. Act like a woman. Act like a lady. Act, ladies don't do this. Ladies do that. A man does this. A man does not do that. And you keep putting it in the kid's head. Uh, mm-hmm. You put that in the kid's head. They're going to grow up to be a man or they'll grow up to be a woman. Right. It'll be something that uh, everything they do is founded on, even if they don't think about it. I have noticed something, and I think people are tripping. They're not realizing because they're really trying to get a woman in the White House by 2020. So I'm looking at all this so-called black girl magic in the politics right now, these upsets up in New York. The black woman running for office down there in Georgia for governor. Where are the black alpha males in politics? Are they non-existent? <laughs> Is it like there's no more alpha black males in politics? Well, see, here's what happens. The problem is that the black man in America has become a pressure relief device. Even mm. if somebody wouldn't go out and physically lynch a black man anymore, mm-hmm. what happens is that they can scapegoat the black man vicariously and blame him for all of the ills that they're facing. So you don't want a black man in, and dear Barack really screwed it up for us because that was a golden opportunity for a brother to get in and just get all kinds of home runs like Jackie Robinson did and steal a home plate like Jackie Robinson did, to use a sports metaphor. Mm-hmm. But what he did is he just hit a bunch of zeros. So all he stood for was for LGBTQ, uh, high finance, and uh, appearances. A chick flick matinee star who did nothing. He sat there for eight years, and there's nothing that came out of it except some legislation that he pushed that he didn't even draft, mm-hmm. like Obamacare, which if you get out into it, is quite poisonous. I mean, it's the only thing out there, but it's a Republican bill drafted by Tennessee senior Republican senator and it majority reader, doc, uh, leader, Dr. Bill Prince, whose family founded Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and all these HMOs. They're making a killing. Right. But, see, there's all this mythology out there. And that's a that's a shame because, like I said, people are so emotional. Even the men, they wear like feminine jeans, like tight jeans, skinny jeans. It's, it's just emoing right now. Like everybody's like, it's like they're so suicidal. Like I want to talk to you about these rappers in particular, the one that got killed in Florida, the XXX Temptation guy. 
Yeah, triple X. What are your thoughts about that? Because it reminded me of your case you had in your court. You talked about about the young black rapper who was taking care of his uh, his female family members. Because this yep. guy was just 20 years old, but he brought four houses for uh, the black women in his family and left his mom in charge of his estate. He's he not even 40 yet. I mean, she's a beautiful-looking woman. <laughs> but she is left in charge of his estate. But I'm saying, like, you look at him, he had, he had no father figure in his life. He's trying to flame out really early. Typically, black women, the wrong kind, look at their sons and any male they run into as something to exploit. Mm. Like I told that kid, his mama and his grandmama wanted his money. It's like, if it wasn't for us, he wouldn't be here. Well, yeah, but you're not doing anything good for your son and your grandson. You just want to exploit him. So I took some steps to thwart that. They got mad at me, but now the boy who's grown man thanks me for it. Wow. So, man, you know, what big guy had to judge Joe Brown in his life then to help him out? He might not be dead right now. He might not be. Mm. See, but, oh, my, see, and then we, that was a show we tried to start, uh, a company I was with, and they didn't want any part of it. It was a... Uh, outstanding athlete and his wife and what they were trying to do is take some of these black athletes or minority athletes and get them back on their feet after they had dealt with some unwise uh, things relative to their money and lost all of it. And invariably we found the big obstacle was their mother's. Mm. My money. What y'all trying to stop my money from coming? Because it's making your son broke, lady. You know, and he's not going to be any good to you after a while or himself. You know, well, I ain't going to throw what he got me away or he's going to get something back. No, I'm his mama. Well, you see, you're nothing but a parasite here. Most mothers in history would be glad to get their son someplace important or successful and leave it at that, not try to sit there and hold him back by exploiting his success. You know, that's wrong. You know, I think about that. You, you compare and contrast the black athletes with the white ones. I don't see Tom Brady being pressured about his mama dream house. I don't see, you know, Peyton Manning or Eli being pressured about their folks' houses because they already got money. They also got fathers that were involved that provided for the family. So this is like a different situation when you look at some white athletes versus the black athletes. Yeah, well, it isn't all black athletes. It's just some mm-hmm. uh, who didn't have, you know, an effective, well-rounded family. Right. See, in other words... Like Kobe Bryant, he didn't have to have no pressure by his folks at home. Right. <laughs> so all these exceptions. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then you can look at his background. See, Kobe never went to college. But he was well, you think he was well educated by going up overseas and learning no, all the different languages? Wasn't. No, he wasn't. Okay. And he had some attitude problems. Like all around the NF, uh, NBA, they said the Lakers had the best personnel, but they weren't the best team because of Kobe. He wasn't a team player. Well, they got LeBron now, right? You think these going to change? <laughs> oh, let's see. They had Magic Johnson, but Magic Johnson said, we got to make it a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came in as center. Well-educated, right. Bar and Magic, that was a team. They couldn't block one without leaving the other open, and the rest of the team cooperated. But, you know, when you got somebody like Kobe, it's give them the ball and you don't know when it's coming You just back. ain't a Kobe fan. You just don't care for Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, I, I did the tip-off in Detroit for the Pistons during the playoffs two uh, consecutive years, and they said, you know, the Lakers got more talent than we do, but we're a team, so we're going to win. And that's why they, they did. Them. Yeah. Five-game sweep, as they say. <laughs> Wow. And they said, you know, the Lakers are more formidable and dangerous to play against when Kobe's sitting on the bench. Man, well, a lot of Kobe fans ain't going to like that. I mean, but Lakers fans are interesting. They, they deserve to have, you know, win. Like the well, you know, you know. Kobe's, <laughs> character, Kobe's character came out in a transcript of his interview by the police in Colorado about that shaky rape case they had. Oh, yeah, in. very shaky, yeah. And he tried to weedle his way out of it by saying, you know, if you let me go, I can give you another player who's bigger than me. He said, well, who? Said Shaq. And the detective said, Shaq, Wheel O'Neal? So yeah, I can give you Shaq. What do you oh, my God. Well, he, he done something wrong, too. There was any of it in Colorado? Well, I don't know. Well, we aren't interested. You know, a punk play like that. Yeah, that's that's cool. Cool. Oh, my God. That's horrible. <laughs> so you talk about some man codes being violated, Lord, really? Yeah, <laughs> little punk stuff. That always got me. You see somebody. Hey, he had a father. He had a father in the home. He had a daddy in the home. Who was an athlete uh, himself, professional no, athlete? Just because you, I mean, you, you need one there mm-hmm. if he's effective. But sometimes you just ain't effective. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. There are all these. The exception. Mm, that's true. An effective father is good for raising girls and boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mother, I love my mama, yeah, but your mama's been the one who held you back. You know, Oprah likes to do that kind of thing where they have a show where they want to get the catharsis of the audience crying, you know, and they've got somebody with 14 children and you know, or 11 children, and uh, she's sitting up there whining, and they're trying to get this boy who's rebelling against her to understand how much mama has done and how much she sacrificed, and they want him to start crying and hugging mama, and the truth of the matter is the mama was a hoe, and everything that came in got given away to the latest boyfriend. Mm. So, you know, the boy wouldn't have been in that kind of circumstance that he was in if it wasn't for his mama being no good, incompetent, and incapable as a mother. Mm. You know, motherhood is a precious thing, but, you know, if you want the accolade, you've got to give the performance. So I'm running into people that I've known for years now, and they're having me what to do, Judge Joe, what should I do, Joe? I said, well, what's going on? And then I find out what it's about. The granddaughter of the daughter of something is a real live clown. The one I don't like is you got three or four children and mother hollering about, I'm young. I got a right to party. No, you don't have any damn right to party. You have the responsibility to be a mother. 
And when that's over, yeah, go ahead and do it. But, yeah, when the little so-and-so gets big enough, he better bring mama some money. No, he doesn't need to better bring us some money. You need to understand that that child can do what is earned by you as the goodness of his heart may dictate. Otherwise, you keep your little filthy, grubbing hands out of his pocket. Mm. Don't ruin job. that boy after you almost ruined him in life, but for the fact that he's got a talent. Mm. I mean, you always talk about the brother did this, the brother did that, black man don't do this, black man don't do that. But I'm tired of listening to that. We go nowhere as a people until we get both sides of this equation together, the man and the woman. And the fact of the matter is, is this thing about black men never take care of the responsibilities. That's bull. Uh, every year I went to the judicial conferences, we'd have to go and get 16-unit hours a year. And that went on for at least 25 years before I stopped going. And every year when we got to the statistic, guess what ethnic group paid their support more reliably and more on time than any other ethnic group? It's black men. Mm. But, you know, the myth is we're just trifling. We never pay. Speaking of life. We want change. We need to deal with real. Hmm. Well, speaking of black fathers, that's when we get your thought in, uh, on the passing of Joe Jackson with your thoughts about him and his legacy. Well, <laughs> I think he did a good job, but his wife didn't. His I wife didn't? Her. You say his wife didn't do a good job? He did a good I job, but his wife didn't? psychiatrist say all of this hoopla about what Joe Jackson did wrong is just crap. He was no more strict, no less strict than any other father in history. And like he said, yeah, they wouldn't be going to the bank now if it weren't for it. Mm-hmm. The English shrinks had a different slant on it. They said what they saw was a mother who refused to discipline the children. So when they did something bad, they got the same thing. They got it. They did something excellent. And if they did something excellent, it was no greater reward than for doing something bad. So they grew up, screwed up in the head because the mama, because they had no perspective on I did right and I did wrong. Or I did good, I did bad. So Ooh. they don't get it. The Jackson family, and all of them are kind of screwed up. And that one little pervert who self-hated so much, he lost his nose from having had so many nose operations. He got uh, necrophilia. He lost it. Mm-hmm. That's why he had to sleep in that oxygen tent trying to save it, walking around looking like a zombie. And then that sick perversion that he was talking about under the umbrella, there's nothing wrong with a grown man being naked in the bed with a 10-year-old boy who's not his child. He said it. But they never could prove it legally that he was a a pervert, right? Photoshop and then voice over. You know, that's the perversion right there. So, hey, you know, in my opinion, uh, the lowest people on the totem pole, not even murderers or anything, 
bad or better for our house. But to be fair to Michael, they could never prove legally that he was a pedophile. I mean, no, they could never. I'm just talking about what he said. They're saying it's raining and he's under a black umbrella and he's saying or protesting. There's nothing wrong with a man being naked in a bed with a 10-year-old boy, even if the boy is not his relative, if it's about love. That's pedophilia. I mean, I would definitely not want to be in a bed naked with a 14-year-old. I ain't want to think of something like that. But go, you think about the Nambler stuff, though. Like, you think about Hollywood. They talk about Me Too, but they're not talking about the pedophilia in Hollywood. They've been there for generations. Well, it's a sick institution. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's the one that's in charge of the information and entertainment for the world. Yeah, and you think about it, Michael, man, he's been performing. He was performing since he was six years old and hanging out with a lot of grown people, people older, way older than him. You don't tell them what went on in those parties. No, there's like, no telling know. what went on with them boys. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, all that is up. But, but what do you think about the fact that we can't have no black male icons without some type of slander or type of dirt on them, like, upon their legacy? You can't have... Masculine uh, blacks. Masculine blacks, right. Who are straight or yes. dangerous to that little cabal that runs everything in the entertainment industry. Well, I know it was uh, Mega Evers' birthday yesterday. He would have been 93. And I hold him in such, such high esteem because they can't find him dirty Mega. I mean, it's like he was a straight alpha guy who cared about his family, willing to die for what he believed in. He was for the cause. And every time I talked to somebody who knew or worked with Mega, that would take great things to say about him. There's no, no orgasm the well, night before. Some down brothers. There's some <laughs> yeah. brothers that are all right. Yeah. But it is hard to come by, man. Just say that. Even Dr. King, like, when you find a JFK file, they talk about Dr. King having all these strange sex habits, supposedly, allegedly. Uh, and that's what people like to focus on. About, I won't say anything about that. I mean, I know you're an alpha guy. You're an alpha guy, too. <laughs> no, I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. I, uh-huh. don't, I don't say anything about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on King's thing, my mission is to expose the FBI and the U.S. government for its complicity in having him murdered. So why could you trust anything that comes from David who was FBI when it concerns King? Why would anybody act like that's a legitimate piece of evidence? Well, the rifle that shot him was invoiced to the FBI, the ammunition. Mm-hmm of the type that was used to shoot him. A large quantity was invoiced to the FBI. There were five of these rifles invoiced in late December 1967. He was murdered at the beginning of April 68. And at the end of April 68, when the Defense Department was demanding the return of these five rifles, uh, the FBI claimed on inventory they could only find four of them. Mm. I've seen the invoices or copies of them. Yeah, and that's disturbing because the narrative that the civilizations in won't change. Like you said, they got the long weapon on display. Oh, well, and they refuse to change the narrative. Technically, they never should have accepted Ray's plea to begin with because mm-hmm. he entered an Alford plea. And as I used to tell defendants, 
Al Ford stands for the proposition that even if you are innocent, you may plead guilty so long as you do so freely, voluntarily, understandingly, knowingly, advisedly, intelligently. And, and this is the important thing, the state has a factual basis upon which to proceed otherwise. So the only factual basis they had was the right. Now, interestingly enough, what the obvious flaw with their whole case was that the FBI said they couldn't identify Reed's rifle as being the one that fired the fatal bullet. That's the FBI. Now, when I had the rifle retested, that was only verified. The rifle was not consistent with the fatal bullet. The fatal bullet was fired out of a rifle with a rate of rifling twist of one turn in every 11 and a quarter inches. The only way to get a rifle like that in 1967-68 was to have a custom barrel. And the U.S. government, through the Army Marksmanship Unit, made 63 of these barrels and made up 62 of these rifles made by a company known as Psyotics. It's basically a rebarreled M14 that has been bedded in the stock using fiberglass resin and all of the parts finely lapped and fitted to each other so you get an accurate rifle. They had a suppressor made by the Psionics company that was mounted on it, a three to nine power Redfield variable telescopic sight that was modified to auto range by a company known as Leatherwood. And it was issued with a quantity of subsonic ammunition that, amongst other things, had an epoxy resin to partly fill the case so that you would not have problems with exploding the ammunition when you tried to download it so it would not be supersonic. Well, guess what? The base of the bullet material that uh, is in the record has the same kind of epoxy showing on the bottom, which is not typical for that brand of ammunition that they claim uh, was supposed to have been shot out of that rifle. Mm-hmm. And I measured the rate of rifle twist myself in the evidence room using my own tools. Mm-hmm. So I know that there is something strange going on. That's not the rifle. The FBI didn't. The FBI said they couldn't make an identification. First judge Preston Babel ordered it retested. They never did do it. And then after the plea was taken, the day later he gave a press conference. He said he was sure that Ray was guilty, but he was also sure he did not act alone. Now the other thing too is Ray might have been guilty as an accessory. Because what you had was essentially a conspiracy. So to be any part of the conspiracy means you're equally guilty of the crime as anybody else. And it looks to me, from what I saw on that record, that you had three, four, uh, maybe five, but perhaps no more than four alternative scapegoats who were primed to go commit the crime, but who did not and actually seen who have gotten freaked out by the commission of the crime, but they just happened to be around to be scapegoated. It was a two-man hit team that pulled the shot off uh, from the fire station dormitory cafeteria. 
not from the flop house and not from the bushes. The problem with the bushes is somebody with a rifle down there would have been visible from Main Street for four and a half hours. There was a cop down there that was supposed to have had one, but the excuse they had for him was he was doing overwatch. Hmm. So, yeah, the FBI had something to do with it. It would be circumstantial evidence that with a bit more would be sufficient to convict somebody. So you think that's still like, uh, so should people still pursue this? They're trying to convict somebody for Dr. King's assassination? Well, I don't think you'll ever get the names of the people involved, but you can know what happened and who was behind it. I mean, there were enough incriminating memos wherein Hoover had somebody write them for him where somebody at least next below Hoover would have been in a lot of trouble. Well, people think like it's Clyde Tolson, is that his second in command, his lover. Would he be that person? Was his lover. Mm-hmm. person that would actually have been in uh, hot water up until... Very recently on that was his third in command, who turned out to be Claude Armour, police commissioner and fire commissioner for the city of Memphis. Hmm. You mean Frank Holloman or? Claude Armour. Okay. So basically it was an inside job with Dr. King. It was like. Was it okay by, I guess, the deep state, as people call it now, the deep state, when you say the deep state killed Dr. King? The what state? They call it the deep state, you know, like the, the shadow government, like not the you know, post office. Yeah, it. Man, it's just that pervert, J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> and see, Hoover is like Clarence Thomas in that mm. he's black and he hates black people. See, mm-hmm. they've been get, you can check out the History Channel. In the last few months, they've gone into Hoover. And mm-hmm. one of the things that's interesting about Hoover was his just rabid detestation of the Klan. Now, why was he so against the Klan if he's supposed to be about the business he was supposed to be about? Well, it seems that the Klan bunch of, burned a bunch of crosses in his parents' yard because his parents were being accused of, guess what, passing for white. Mm. Now, if you look at young Hoover, pictures of young Hoover show you somebody that looks like Harold Ford Jr. Yeah, I see that. Mm. So Hoover was a black man trying to hide it. And just like Clarence Thomas, sometimes you can hate your own people. Even Alfred Hex says, sometimes to know your own people is to hate them. Mm. So would it be reasonable, I mean, since we, people are all about taking down Confederate statues, to rename the FBI building, like that, put the Hoover name out the building, or to keep it on there as a reminder? Hoover was a pervert. He did a lot of damage to the country and setting stuff up for president, presidents. His focus on communism, his denial of the fact that the mob existed because he was a gambler, 
and the mob was into him for a lot of debts that he owed them and his mm-hmm. homosexuality that they had documented. He wasn't really a bona fide somebody for the position he was in. Mm. Wow. So it's something that people need to research and know for themselves. I mean, I think it's very important information, Judge, you're putting out there. And yet again, sometimes you got to repeat this information because people say they don't understand it unless it's like LeBron James highlights or something. Or they yeah, well, everybody little. knows about LeBron, but they don't know about what else is going on. See, how did the FBI get started? Right. You know? Uh, t- take it on Jack Johnson? That's it. <laughs> and then they came up with the Man Act uh, when that wasn't successful. See, J. Edgar Hoover's job was to interview the prostitutes in the New York City brothers. Mm-hmm. He discovered in interviewing them that so many politicians had been using their services that he got a lot of blackmail information. Mm-hmm. And after World War One, when the FBI had been used to gather lightweight espionage uh, information. Mm. It was given the responsibility for keeping the records on legal production of alcohol after prohibition kicked in. So that's why FBI for a long time had to be either attorneys uh, in a tax specialization or certified public accountants not your ideas of a badass running around with a pistol. So they brought in special agents like Elliot Ness mm-hmm. and that bunch and Melvin Purvis mm-hmm. who were essentially homicidal maniacs that they brought in and interestingly enough Purvis, uh, Ness and several others who had gone after and gotten all of these public enemies, they seemed to have all decided they hated themselves. And in 1949, within the period of six or seven weeks, they all killed each other or killed themselves. Sounds to me like Hoover had been in the business of committing murder anyway when it suited his purpose. Well, you got to have some dirt, you know, to have some power, right? You can't be clean and have power, right? You got to have something on you. Yeah, Johnson was going to take him out. Hmm. Johnson did not play with him. Oh, Lennon B. Johnson? The Kennedys had a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Hoover was trying to blackmail JFK uh, with some tapes that purportedly recorded him having sex with uh, several other men in a certain house. The FBI claimed that they were holding under surveillance for organized crime purposes. There's all kinds of things back there and now. It's their business, but, you know, sort of been a weakness some of the so-called leadership has happened to show. They call it being in bed with somebody, literally. 
Now, I know I heard, uh, I don't know if you think about this, like JFK had a real close high school or childhood friend named Lim Billings. He used to live in the White House. They said he, he probably was one of his homosexual lovers. Have you heard about that guy? This guy named Lim Billings. He was a friend of the family, real close friend of JFK. He actually had a room in the White House. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I said, that's interesting. I guess he went both ways, huh? He was bisexual, pansexual, what the hell they call themselves now. <laughs> well, actually, we talked about that before in terms of Star Wars on Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that Lando Calrissian character they right. in Except I went and saw the thing, and that's not what's going on here. What happens is he has the millennial falcon, the millennium falcon, right? Yeah. The famous starship, all right. Mm-hmm. His co-pilot is a robot, mm. and she's got a very female character, mm-hmm. like one of these James Bond girls, all right? And they are real close, and the robot is AI, artificially intelligent. So with her character, they've never had anything other than a platonic relationship. She likes him, loves him, and I it may be reciprocity in that, but it's more like she's a real good, very close friend and confidant of him, mm-hmm. of his. Uh, she just happens to be a robot. <laughs> mm. So they didn't even show uh, Lando getting into anything with anybody or anything. But they are they are doing heavy on the sauce when it comes to relationships, like in all these TV shows and movies, and like you said, even cartoons. You can't escape that gay agenda thing. Well, and yeah. sometimes they're subliminal, sometimes they're blunt and direct, but it's there all the time. The people that bought Marvel comics out or promising LGBT, they will either invent or convert a total of fifty percent of their yeah, superheroes wow. yeah. into being gay. Now, I don't know about <laughs> oh, you. But I doubt that fifty percent of the population is gay. Uh, no, in spite of all their best intentions and you know what they're trying to do, but uh, I don't seem like it. Still alive long enough to get anybody to believe it. But like I said, it's their right to do it. We ought to take a, a note of how they did it and do the same thing. Black, I right? agree with you. You know, do your thing. Benefit of the family. We need yeah. to do something about imposing families again. See, that stuff where the babes get out there and decide they want to play mama and get knocked up. Mm-hmm. You know, and it gets some bad situations. Get married first, but they don't believe in that anymore. So we've got a situation where, as seven years ago. Judge, you coming in low. I don't know what happened. Oh, no, well, okay. I just said, what happens for uh, Americans under 20? It showed up that approximately 80% were born out of wedlock. That's getting ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 
in other words, where is the morality? So, so you're telling that we're we the byproduct of the free love era, right? We came out of that, you know. Where, you know. Yeah, well, the free love area, but you can do this, drop back 20 years, mm-hmm. and what do you get? 20 from 2010, which is when they got their statistics. Mm-hmm. That's back to 1990. Mm-hmm. Free love was from 1964 to about 1975. Mm-hmm. So, that's a little early. That free love ended ended fifteen years before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the feminist side of things. They took that as see, it's supposed to be not free love, but liberating yourself from men. They look at being married as a form of slavery. Okay. Which is not good. Well, well, that's one of the things on politics now. I guess they're feeling their oats, and they're determined to get a woman in as president, whether or not she's got any qualifications. They've got this set of women out of California, but I don't think they should be allowed to be dog catchers, really, <laughs> let alone U.S. senators and congresswomen, and certainly not the president. Yeah, I just think it's getting kind of like, you know, like, like people just claiming that they are qualified because they're a woman to do anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's like we got stuck with that, see. We wanted a, a black man so badly, we got a fake one for president. <laughs> man, he just far. See, it's like if he died tomorrow. And mm-hmm. you got to this so-called heaven. And black people up there saying, well, I hear we got a black president. Yeah? Well, which one of us is his ancestor? Uh, none of you. <laughs> yeah, that's In other okay. words, he has no family member or no ancestor who's been through the American black experience. Mm. If you don't have an ancestor who's been through the experience, you're not an American black person. Mm. And he did not grow up in mainland USA. Right. We know he's a very exotic background. And he's very exotic background. I just, but I just think they, you know, he's out of central cast in Hollywood. Like you say, he's a, a chick lit, not idol. And like I said, you know, we, we, like you said earlier, like it's all about believing and stuff now. It's about religion. We treat our politics like religion. You know, mm-hmm. like feel good stuff, especially the black church way. You know, you just emotional, feel good, you know. Not about, I, I think black folks, we are the only group of people that don't ask for anything from our politicians. Even illegal immigrants ask for stuff from the politicians. You know, we don't ask for nothing from these politicians because, like, just be happy and just blase, blase. Remember the starter jacket? Yeah. You're correct. Don't know nothing about sports, but you're wearing those starter jackets just because you want to fit in and want to be a part of something. See, being black 
to a lot of people is not a good thing. But being part of a Democratic Party apparatus is a legitimate thing in the minds of some. So to go along with what the Democrat Party wants is to be part of the group, even if you never get anything out of it. Yeah. I didn't see that. I was just praying to please ancestors, please God, do not make Maxine Wallace a, a, a model and ancestor because she's not deserving of the world. I mean, she is not deserving of being a mother at all. You know, like she's talking about the death threats from last week. I mean, she ain't doing it but running her mouth and being mean wordy. I mean, she's an internet sensation. She's Auntie Maxine. But what is she doing for the black folks out in California? Nothing. Right. And, but people love her. They love the fact she does nothing and runs her mouth. I mean, she doesn't. I mean, I don't know what her legacy going to be. Well, we claim our time, and I, I once called out the government for introducing crack into the black communities back in the nineties. I don't know what her legacy really is, and I think a lot of so-called fans don't know. But like I said, we don't really ask for anything. See, here's the deal: you get way out of line when you start telling people in your party to go attack people in the other one physically. Right. You know, that's that what you did. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like Charlottesville. Yeah. See, the way we talked in the 60s, yeah, sister going to be a martyr. We can use her for the cause. He's going to convince some of these far right orangutans that they ought to take her out. Right. And he's just selling wolf tickets. Yep. And see. She will induce all these little crazy nerds <laughs> to get up and act ugly up in somebody else's face. And then she'll get those real Johnny Ribs getting up in her face and let's see how she likes. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty like Texas and Alabama. You don't play down there. No. Pick up truck with Calvin and Hobbs stickers on the back. <laughs> Pick up truck <laughs> with Confederate flag. <laughs> yeah. See, they'll mistreat her. Mm-hmm. Then, well, what are you complaining about? You said your folks should do the same to the other side. And that's what Trump was saying. He's saying you telling people to attack my people or uh, my base. I mean, he didn't say he was threatening her, but like he was threatening her. That like the media said, well, Trump threatened Maxine Waters. I didn't he see didn't it like that. a good sense. Watch your step. Why is kept? Right. That's just common sense. You know, she the one starting the fire. Yeah. You just said, I know these people. <laughs> that was funny. Now, you talk, they call, people will listen to you, but it might not be the right one <laughs> you want. Right. That's right. But I just think it's, it's, just, it's just really, it's, it's just, man, it's just like it's ridiculous. Even with, uh, what are your feelings about the press secretary being uh, 
know, not able to be served as a playful red hen in Virginia, how they refuse to serve her or anybody from Trump's administration. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm. Let's reverse that. Okay. I didn't want to reserve him because he was a, an Obama supporter. Mm-hmm. See what you open the door for? Yeah. But, see, I recall even, you know, some years ago, you remember you remember back in uh, Annapolis, Maryland, where the Secret Service would refuse service at the Denny's. At the Denny's, the Secret Service, the Black Secret Service men would refuse service. And, uh, you know, black folks still eat at Denny's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that was some years ago. I've been driving past that Denny's in Annapolis in Maryland. Maybe five or six years ago. So I guess it does happen. See, Denny's is a franchise. Mm-hmm. Like Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Starbucks inappropriately called the police on those three brothers that time. Yeah, in Philadelphia, yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, Magic Johnson owns almost 30 of the franchise. Mm-hmm. So are you mad? at the parent company or just the franchise owner who can pretty much do what the hell he wants to do. Yeah. Well, you know, you say the franchise owner means like it's the culture, you know, it's local, but, you know, it's a national chain, but it's like locally owned. So I, I think that what they did was fair in terms of responding to the situation. Because, I, like I said, we talked about this before. I never had a problem going to any Starbucks around the country in terms of using using a restaurant or being allowed to stay in the place for hours at a time. You're right. Mm-hmm. Same thing with – but what about these things with Waffle House, though? Like the guy, he saved the people at Nashville Waffle House. And you had one Waffle House where they dragged the black woman down on the ground. And I believe another Waffle House where a man was attacked, or a teenager, I believe, was attacked by the, the police. Because I think a Waffle House in, I think, North Carolina or the Carolina, somewhere around that area. Well, and yet, we still go to Waffle House. Look, here's the thing. I've been witness, I witnessed to some stuff. On multiple occasions of things that came out a certain way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I've seen them, I said, boy, they did that brother wrong, or they did that sister wrong. And it came out, or it might not have come out in the paper or the news that somebody got jacked around. Mm-hmm. I've been places and seen folk, and I said, man, who thought of know he had that coming? Right. right. You don't act like that out in public. Mm-hmm. And then seeing that person hollering later on about how badly he got mistreated. Mm-hmm. And my reaction was, is, brother, if you'd acted like you had some manner and weren't trying to fill your conversation with everybody in the place, you know, it might not have gone down that way. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, it did it wrong. There's no excuse for that. And I, I saw it with my own two eyes, you know. Mm. So 
I don't get all upset about these kind of things unless just what got done has absolutely no excuse. Mm-hmm. You know, I go out to a lot of restaurants around here, and sometimes the matter is, is you know, people are sitting there and saying, dang, brother, can you sort of put a chill on that, you know? Uh, you know, I I understand you think it's funny, but, you know, you're on the far side of this restaurant. Do you have to laugh so loudly that I can hear it all the way out in the parking lot? Mm. And, of course, if anything happens, somebody's done wrong. Mm-hmm. But then I've seen people do some reasonable stuff, and somebody wanted to get ugly with them. You know, you can't account for people. People come in all different varieties. But I think one of the things we have to do is, is if we're going to do some things, they have to be a little bit more deliberate. Uh, There might be effectiveness when you deliberately set somebody up to do something that they ought not do. If you're trying to make a coherent point. I mean, Mm -hmm. what do they say? All's fair in love and war. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. But I, I'm not too happy with some of this, this spontaneous nonsense that just gets out of hand and everybody wants to make a big deal out of it, particularly when it's only the use of language. It's like if you feel totally insulted by the person, busting money right in his mouth and say you went, you couldn't help it, you just went temporarily crazy because he used the term as fighting words. Mm-hmm. You know, I just saw red when he said those things. <laughs> Ordinarily, under the First Amendment, you can say whatever you want to. But now, if you call somebody the N-word, that's okay. But if you call somebody fag or queer or something like that, they want to put you in jail for a hate crime. Right. It's not properly done, and it's not even-handed. Mm. Or locking somebody up because he calls the police Nazis. Now, that is a travesty. Mm-hmm. Like you I said, know, uh, you process. Like, like you said, though, a lot of these cases are happening. The news is cherry-picking what they want the people to know about. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah, and, but with the social media too, that's another way to reclaim the narrative. Cause a lot of a lot of these cases would not even got any coverage if it wasn't for the social media people just using their platform to tell their their groups about it, and they pass it along. So I mean, even with Trayvon Martin case, they didn't pick up steam until the social media people got involved with. It. No, and then see stuff like Anderson Cooper. Yeah, they asked Trayvon's mother 
to please not reveal that grandfather was a lieutenant detective with the Miami Police Department. Mm. You know, that would have put a different spin on it. Granddad is mm-hmm. a detective? Oh, no, mm. this isn't just any kid coming out the hood playing thug, you know? Right. Why did she, you know, why did he ask you that? Well, he said it would diminish the public interest in the case. Oh, what he means is the ratings might not have been as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. You want to check out uh, Anderson Cooper? Uh, I peeped him one time when I, before I separated from my now ex-wife, last ex-wife, she used to record all that housewife stuff. So they would have all of the uh, recap on all of the Atlanta housewives. They'd get with the housewives of New Jersey and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they would have all of the super flaming gay executive producers just prancing around. And they'd have Anderson Cooper with an open collar shirt just fanning away with his left wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is what saying. Is. Yeah. This is like, man, I just, whew. yeah. But it's, 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 they normalize a lot of this stuff, man. A lot of stuff, this, this has been considered like some crazy stuff 50 years ago. The stuff they allow. I mean, even when you look at Milton Burrow and all them guys of uh, Flip, what's that, Flip Wilson? The black yeah. comedian, like he dressed yeah. up as this Geraldine or whatever. That was in a comedic context. Yeah, but I still worry about it. Oh, a yeah. lot of them back then were just as flame as otherwise. Uh, <laughs> I remember Raymond St. Jocks used to be tall, brother, played in these black exploitation movies. Mm-hmm. I've seen him walk around in high heel pumps and rouge eyeshadow, lipstick, mascara, hoop earrings, and a wig on. Wow. With Billy D on his arm. Wow. That was back Early seventies. Well, out in public, or they would do on some type of movie or TV show. Well, no, up in some of those parties. Yeah, Billy D. Williams, the ladies' man, the original mm-hmm. captain, whatever from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so he is pansexual. This. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man, that's crazy. It's like Eddie Murphy or Teddy Pendergrass. All those guys got caught with some trans or cross dressers or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> So that's just part of the culture that in order to make it, you got to go that way. Yeah, and Eddie got picked up in the back seat with uh, uh, male prostitutes, not on one time, but on two separate occasions. He's Eddie Murphy? Yes. Well, at least Hugh Grant got caught with a black woman, Divine Brown. I remember that. I ain't going to forget. At least she was a real woman. No, I said, I didn't say female prostitutes. I said male prostitutes. Oh, Eddie, okay. okay. Wow. On more what? than one occasion. See, I heard some things about Eddie. Like, the one guy got caught with him, you know, dying some type of weird way. Following from his from a window or something. The guy got caught with one time when he was just in drag or whatever. But I just guess this is uh, part of the court. I mean, like, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, he said he got raped by his, his boxing trainer. When he was a teenager, I believe, training for the Olympics. Not the Olympics. I don't know when, but as a teenager, his trainer took advantage of him. Mm. 
Mm. Have you heard that story? I haven't heard that one. Yeah, he came out about that, I guess, doing that Penn State uh, thing with the coach paternal and his assistant and all that crazy that was going on at, at Penn State, uh, you know, with them taking advantage of children. But he said that his Who trainer – Who was that that came out and said this? Oh, Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer. Boxer. He said that his trainer took advantage of him when he was training as, a, I guess, a teenager. He's one of the greatest boxers. I don't know why he would come out and say that. Mm. I mean, that's got to be. You should keep to yourself? I'm or one of the people that they have no shame. I mean, I guess you're trying to show that it can happen to anybody. Like, you know, people like, you know, talking about, I guess, the children who are taken advantage of by this, you know, by the paternal's assistant and former player. I guess if it could happen to Sugar Ray Leonard, like, like okay, the Terry Crews. I saw his uh, testimony in Congress before Diane Feinstein, the senator from California. He told me how the dude held his held his manhood for about minutes. He didn't say a moment. He said minutes. I'm saying he, he held it for minutes. I thought it was like a couple of seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like you said minutes. I don't know, man. I like I I appreciate him being honest. I guess and everybody else coming forward with their stories, but. You know, they do hold your balls for, like, minutes? I'm like, I don't going? have anything to say. <laughs> like, I thought it was, like, a second. I'm like, man, what? But but I don't know, man. It's like it's a different type. Because he said the reason his thing was that I'm a big black man, and people already think that big black men are scary. That's why I didn't react. Because he asked him why he didn't respond in a different way. And he said, well, because I'm a, I'm a big black man, and people got stereotypes about big black men, and, he come from Flint, Michigan, and a lot of black men didn't make a black boys didn't make it where he came from. So he didn't want to, you know, lose his opportunity. Like, I remember you saying back in December, hey, you know, just get a job. You know, why you need to be here? Like, with the Me Too stuff, a lot of people, they consented into doing things with, with these powerful men. And now they're saying that it was foul play. And when you consented to being, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of these people, did things with these powerful men for, for jobs and favors. And that's yeah. the culture. So how are you going to reverse engineer the culture like that when y'all playing that game? How are you going to well, change the rules of the game while you, are you in the process of playing that game? Well, let's put it this way. I can remember a board meeting when I was standing up on a conference table on a pair of cowboy boots trying to <laughs> stuff the hell out of the table. Uh-huh. And Telling the CEO to bring his ass back here so I could put my foot up his behind. Wow. But he'd probably enjoy it too much and fuck all of you. I excuse my language. No, go ahead. Uh, that word, all of you, I quit. Wow. Now bring your mind over him so I can kick it. <laughs> Were you ever invited back to the office again? <laughs> well, I, that was. That was. After the second year of the show, wow! And I stayed for thirteen more years, and they all got fired. Hmm. That's just something. But you stood up for yourself. You wouldn't have put your career on line to stand up for your manhood to protect your manhood. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't have any sympathy for these folks talking about. I always wanted to do this, and I just felt I couldn't say anything because of the. You know, my career goes, no, hell, you always can say something. You know, yeah. look at the kamikazes attacking the Sixth Fleet mm-hmm. in World War Two. 
Man, it's like it, it, just, you just give us something to think about because I, I keep on thinking, like, all these people like to make deals. Like, is it worth the fame and fortune if you lose your own identity, if you lose who you really are at the core? If you compromise who you are, is it worth it? How you look at Roseanne's situation and all this stuff? This is ridiculous. If you ever do this again, I'm going to bust you right in your mouth, wherever we may be standing. <laughs> I think people respect that when you stand up for yourself. Like you said, we as a people never really stood up for ourselves. We always want to lay down and forgive the enemy and turn the other cheeks. Whatever those cheeks they be, we want to turn them. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember I took took a big boss man and uh, the number one Hollywood uh, public relations firm told him he was a lying sack of shit. You know, <laughs> you told that the person on the phone, just uh, to his face. Wow, they probably turned him on though. He probably got him off. Oh, yeah, judge! Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, they were trying to jack me around, get part of my money. I was supposed to get a percentage of it, and I'd mm-hmm. actually gone and paid for my own PR to be done. And they were trying to claim stuff that I set up. In other words, I actually talked to the person to set the thing up. I said, you lying through your teeth because I did that. You had nothing to do with it. And with the person, what was his response? I think that's why they tried to blackball me, but, you know, I didn't play that. Play you straight told with straight me. I'm not going to be nice to you. Yeah. I think a lot of us need to hear this type of stuff. A lot of us, we, we compromise for nothing. Like, we, if you're suffering, if you're already catching hell, Ain't no point in you compromising on everything. Ain't no point in you just no. letting somebody have their way with you. And then, you know, hey, you know, you really would look bad if a old man playing, uh, you know, a reality role of himself busted you in your mouth and broke your jaw doing it. Mm-hmm. You go report it and be embarrassed forever. Mm. Well... It is what it is, but I just, you know, it is fascinating. Like, even, uh, uh, you know, I just, it, it's just interesting. Like, you know, even this generation of children now, like, you know, I heard, I heard about several cases of people that I know who friends or family have committed suicide, their children have committed suicide over cyberbullying. And I said, bullies always been around, but I don't know. Just turn off the TV, just turn off the computer. Turn off your smartphone. I guess the people don't know how to deal with it. How the hell can you get bullied by online what the hell is that you know <laughs> i don't get it what what, what, what what did they tell us when we were coming along and you and your generation mm-hmm. stones may break my phone but the words will never hurt me yeah goodness they never would have survived where they used to run the dozens when i was growing up that was number one sport hey man yeah. i don't want to say nothing man your mama's so big man uh, she can't get in the bathtub, but with one drop of water, that's all that won't splash out. <laughs> you true about that. And so what 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 has happened is it because of the you know people are starting like these children they they allergic to this living. They are allergic to everything now. I don't know if it's the food or is like what's going on with that the environment. The what is happening? Right. The police, the teachers, and the parents are supposed to protect them from bullies. In my day, probably yours, too. You got told, bully ran you home, I'm going to run your ass back home. Give me my bill. 
You got to stand up for yourself. Bullies are necessary, though. You need bullies. You need bullies to force you to either be who you are or to retreat from them. Just accept who you are. I mean, you need bullies. I know that sounds weird for a lot of people to hear that, but you need to help bullies. Yeah, and it's like, see, that's one problem we got as black folks is we've got this idea that you can't be a real man unless you look like a thug. Right. That is totally erroneous. I can remember I was in Harlem Mm -hmm. some years back, and they had me talking to some thugs and gangsters there. And I was talking to him about this one subject right there. I said, you don't Mm -hmm. have to look like a thug to be a man. Well, man, Mm -hmm. you can't be no man unless you look like man. So I said, well, there's somebody in this room that's a stone-cold killer. I don't want any of you to come in here and talk about, yeah, man, you got your bones because you'd be a fool to tell me somebody in here may be listening to you. But there's one man in here got his bones. Right now mm-hmm. they say he killed at least 18 folks, mm-hmm. 26 of them, depending upon how you count it. Killed 26 folks. They couldn't guess who it was. The person that I was talking to was a retired professor emeritus from New York University. He was Captain Roscoe Brown of the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, wow. retired as Professor Roscoe Brown. Uh, now that they've got computers going over the actual Luftwaffe records, they're showing him to be the second highest scoring U.S. Army Air Force ace in Europe in World War II. Wow. Out of mm-hmm. Italy. So I just said, you know, let's say, Professor, would you step up? He had on a suit and tie. He was sharp. Mm-hmm. And say, you killed 15? He said, the latest totals up to 26, but some of them had more than one man in it. So <laughs> he did it at 35,000 feet, that uh-huh. was below zero at 400 miles an hour. This wow. is a man shot down acknowledged, shot down two jet planes, first two. Uh, only American pilots who shot down two. Wow. You know, so talk to him about killing somebody, but he's a professor, so stone cold killer. He got the end. But he was he was mild mounted too, he's very patient, mild mounted guy, quiet yeah. and reserved. He was, he was, he was like, Yeah, you wanna talk some smack, this man here and he did it in a he he, he was at thirty thirty five thousand feet with fifty wow. caliber machine guns versus twenty millimeter cannon. Mm. He went at it. Uh-huh. Hey, now what you got to say? Do you think everybody got to look like a thug if they're going for it? You don't know what somebody can do. See, the man with a suit and tie on is wearing urban camouflage. <laughs> yes, sir. And I tell you, tell thugs all the time. Look, look, look. I'm the judge. I got your case. I'll put you on probation, but let me just talk some reality to you. A cop would have a hard time talking probable cause if he's trying to jack somebody around with a suit and tie on. Mm-hmm. Run around here with your pants all sagged and bagged, talking about you going to do something. 
that's like a flag gets your behind pulled over anyway. Mm-hmm. Or stopped, and you don't even have to do anything. Well, they ain't got no right. Well, yeah, but you look like you're going to do something. Wow. Mm. Yeah, we need some man training bear, Judge. We need <laughs> generation losing out, man. And then you want to talk about, yeah, man, it's black mafia. Do you look like the mafia? These dudes wear <laughs> suits and ties like they're businessmen. Right. What the devil you look like? Mm. Like you ought to be pushing a grocery basket with some lawn bags in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you tell like it is. Yeah. You ain't gonna put no punches. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> And uh, I guess we, I mean, thank you so much for your time. And uh, also, I just want to know, I send you a happy early birthday shout out. I mean, it was a blessing to have you around, Judge, for as long as we have you around. And the things you have done, uh, you know, throughout your career, being a, a true servant of the people. And I just hope that you have a great day on your birthday, which is July the 5th. So, how you plan to celebrate your birthday? Well, let's see. Um, I had some plans. I got to see if they come through. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see, one way or the other. Well, we anyway, I don't yeah. I don't celebrate birthdays. I celebrate anniversaries now. I heard that. Such and such anniversary of my twenty first birthday. Okay, got you. Well, we're happy that we're glad you have. We wish you many more anniversaries of your birthday, and I hope that you have a great one because you're very deserving. Like I said, people really enjoy your commentary on here, Judge. Like, people are learning a new side about you beyond your TV show. It's very refreshing. And what I understand from when I interact with people in the public as well as online, that what you're saying is very much needed and is needed to be heard by our young people because they're not getting this type of information at home, let alone school. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, you know, it is what it is. but. You know, thank you for the birthday salutations, young brother. But, you know, have a great day. I'm out of here. You know, the judge has a few things to do the rest of the day. <laughs> right. I understand. You got to take care of yourself. And, Judge, we can reach you on Twitter, right, at Judge Joe Brown TV? Judge Joe Brown TV. That's me. Even if there's no blue check. That's right. And people are surprised when I tell them that, that you respond back to people. You actually, you know, communicate and connect with your audience and your fans and whatnot. Well, yeah, it's funny with Twitter, you know. Uh, you get enemies on Twitter, trolls and everything else. Mm-hmm. It kind of is funny. Uh, somebody even tried to crack on me about I said, uh, I had to send him one back. I said, look, are you trying to say that you equate uh, being white with the being the only straight somebody, so if you black, you are gay? It's like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, so in other words, if somebody is straight, they're supposed to be white. Yeah, you talking all that stuff about being straight. You must be a white boy. So what? <laughs> wow. Really? You know about the Greeks and the Romans at all? <laughs> Back in the ancient days? Actually, you know what? It used to be a felony punishable by death to engage in that in Rome. 
Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. So many no cats did it. I mean, like, really, like, from the powerful yeah, men. Like, but powerful people did it, but it was against the law. It was a death penalty. Wow. Oh, well. For the Romans, anyway. For the Greeks, it was a keep down the population thing. But it is, I mean, it's not re- it's not reproducing. You've got to recruit in order to survive. No, so it's even not no, natural. The Greeks did it because they wanted to keep their population down. Mm-hmm. It is a form of population rocky, control. Yeah, it's a it rocky, is. hilly place, not much arable land, so hard to grow enough food. Well, I know Greeks been having a little economic crisis for the last, I mean, over decades now, right? I mean... Young people taking to the streets is not really being reported upon in this country. No, yeah, well, they have a lot more people there than they used to, and it used to be overcrowded several thousand years ago. Mm. Wow. So much to learn. So much research and understand. Well, thank you, Judge, so much once again for sharing your wisdom, knowledge, expertise, and most importantly, also your time with us. In the words of Great Discussion, we love you madly. Keep on producing and pushing. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Have a great day. I will. Take care, sir. God bless.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.